of heaven. And then Ephesians chapter 2, first nine verses. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now working those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now I'm going to just talk a little bit about the tale of two kingdoms. And uh, we're talking about the kingdom of God, uh, mainly. And there's an awful lot to say about the kingdom of God. Because it's a big kingdom. And it has many aspects to it. So I'm not going to cover them all this morning. Unless a miracle happens. <laughs> uh, or unless we stay here till the middle of the afternoon, that would be a miracle. Well, not for me, because I would probably talk that long, but for you guys. So I'm going to pick out one or two things that I just felt that it was important to emphasise this morning. The tale of two kingdoms. And often when we're thinking about the work of God, and the purpose of God, and the work of Jesus, we think about the church. And we should, because God raised up the church in Christ, but he raised up the church to do the works of the kingdom. So the church's purpose is to serve the kingdom. And we don't give so much emphasis to the kingdom because we think it's all about church. It's all about church. But church is good because in a sense it's like the hub where it all takes place to prepare us, to change us, to make us the sort of people that God wants us to be. In order that, we can live in the kingdom. Amen? So the tale of two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of this world and there's the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. In the Bible it talks about it in different ways. It's interchangeable. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And in that passage we read uh, in uh, the Bible there in Ephesians, it talks about the kingdom of the air. And that's really the same thing. It's all talking about uh, the kingdom that is this kingdom of Satan. He rules in the air, as it were, in the atmosphere in which we live. So there's the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of heaven. And um, the kingdom of this world, if you want to put a quick definition of it, is God on my terms. I make God in my image. I formulate who I want God to be for me. And in fact, I become a God myself because I rule myself. It's fitting everything around my agenda. And uh, a good term for that is self-rule. So it's independence, self-rule. That's the kingdom of this world. 
The kingdom of God is different to that. So in Ephesians 2, that we read earlier, it says, As for you were dead. You followed the ways of the kingdom of the air, the spirit that works in the disobedient. All of us live like that, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, its desires, its thought. Like the rest, we were objects of wrath. And we all know where that began. Back in the Garden of Eden, when Eve decided to take responsibility to herself and want to define her own life and what she wanted. And it was self-rule. And we're all in that place. And even if we're Christians this morning, you'll find there'll be a conflict about self-rule. You want to do things your way. Um, and we'll do, don't we? Let's face it. Anyone who doesn't want to do that? It's the natural inclination of our hearts. The Bible says we're born in rebellion. Because that's what it is, really. A good definition of it. It's rebellion. It's the kingdom of rebellion. Against everything that God created, we want to do it ourselves and live in it. The kingdom of God, on the other hand, is God on his terms. It's fitting around his agenda and not our agenda. And uh, again, in Romans it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So instead of being self-rule, I hand over that rule to God. And I let him rule. And I subject myself to his agenda and not my own. Now there, there are some outcomes of coming under the kingdom of this world. The first one really is insecurity. Because you are subject to yourself. And so it, it breathes insecurity. Have you ever noticed that? A lot of the things that we deal with when we become Christians to do with our past is all the insecurities that have been built into us because we've been trying to do it all on our own. Work it all out. And it doesn't work, so we become very insecure. So one of the marks of the kingdom of this world is insecurity. Another one is fear. Another one is guilt. We live with it all the time. And uh, another one is rejection. We feel rejected. And therefore, we have to work to get approval. So that's, that's what happens. That, that's the, some aspects of the kingdom of this world. It's a very insecure kingdom. We have to struggle and strive to make it. And we have to seek to get approval. And, and we're, we're on the knife edge all the time, just trying to make life happen. And you think, goodness me, who wants to live like that? But we all did. And the world out there is doing it all the time. You think, goodness me, what a terrible outcome. And yet we seem to like it. It's bizarre, isn't it? Well, some of the outworkings of the kingdom of God are told us, actually, in Romans 14. It said, God, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You think, well, that's a contrast. Righteousness, the kingdom of God. Now, what about this righteousness? Well, actually, the word righteousness simply means to be right. 
And so it's a gift to us of righteousness. We are right with God. Amen. That brings security. Mm. I haven't got to struggle anymore. I haven't got to strive anymore to get approval or try to make it or get the things that I need. God has made me righteous. I can't make myself righteous. It's got nothing to do with me. It's got to do with him. We have been made right with God. Amen. And therefore that brings peace. It says righteousness, peace. And what happens when you've got peace? Well, it makes you happy. Because it's taking the pressure off. There's no more guilt. There's no more fear. It's righteousness and peace and joy. Yeah! Now, I'm not saying that it's 24-7 joy. Or, or it's 27 peace. Because we still live in this world. And the outworking of the world, we have to live in it. So it affects us. It hits us and knocks us about. But in it, there is a peace that sometimes we don't perceive. Many, many years ago, when we actually, before we were here, our son had leukaemia. He was two, I think, or thereabouts, wasn't he? Something like that. Two and a bit, yeah. And uh, we were at the hospital all the time down in Marsden, down in the, the Royal Marsden, down in Sutton. And uh, there were several other mums and dads around whose children had the same as Tim. And it was a trying time. Uh, and we'd come to the place where we'd said to God, God, you gave us this son. He's a, he's a son of promise, and I can't go into all the details of how that happened, but he was. And we're just going to hand him over to you, because we can't deal with this. And if you take him, we'll surrender that to you. If you take him or you, you heal him. And so we come to that place, but that didn't take away the day-to-day pressure that we were watching him go through. And it hurts when you're seeing that your son's suffering and you can't do anything about it. But one day I was in the corridor, and some of the mums were out there. I'd just gone out, you know, like you have to if you're in hospital, you know what it's like. It's hot, everything's going on, you just need to get out every now and again. Breath of fresh air, cup of coffee. I think most of them have gone out for a fag and a cup of coffee. Um, I decided not to have the fag. <laughs> and uh, one of the mums came over to me and she said, can I ask you something? I said, sure. She said, why is it that you and your wife have got so much peace? And I thought, I hadn't noticed. I hadn't noticed. But they'd noticed. And I was able to say, because we're Christians, and whatever the outcome, we know that we're securing God's hands and he has a purpose for us and for our son. That's it, really. And we thought we were kind of worrying like they were. <laughs> and, and all the rest of it. But there was something that communicated to them that was different. It was a different spirit. It was righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's, somebody once said, um, and it was not in this context, but I thought it was funny at the time, in the church that we used to go to, where they didn't express their joy. And he said, we have deep joy and somebody next to me leant across and said yeah and we never see it it's so deep <laughs> listen folks we have got deep joy it's, I know what he meant it's deep within us uh, the only problem is he never expressed it but we can do both we can have deep joy and express it, it by the Holy Ghost that's part of who we are that's the difference in these two kingdoms Okay then, which kingdom are you subject to? 
this morning. Which kingdom are you subject to? One of the verses that we read at the beginning was that one from Jesus' teaching when he was on the mountainside, the Beatitudes, and he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed. And that, that word is a, is a difficult word to unpack, really, but I heard somebody the other week when we were away, actually, on holiday in Cornwall, and we went to a church, and the guy that was preaching, uh, someone I'd known, I knew years and years and years ago, and I sort of <coughs> met him down when he was preaching, which was quite interesting, catching up with him. And he said a good translation of that word is, blessed means in a good position. In a good position are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I like that. In a good position. You've put yourself in a place that is good. That's what that word blessed means in this context. Those who have put themselves in a good position and have recognised, realised that they're poor in spirit. In other words, recognising their total poverty before God, that without God we can do nothing. That we struggle and strive and try to make it, and we can't. So we put ourselves in a good position when we recognise our poverty of spirit before God. Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We inherit the kingdom when we come to that good position of recognising that without God we can do nothing and we surrender our lives, our hearts, our future into the hands of the living God. We come to his kingdom and say, Lord, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How's the kingdom of God manifest on earth? Well, in you and me, through the church. The church comes together, anointed by the Spirit, changed, and it reflects the kingdom. Just like that day in the hospital. What was happening that day? The kingdom of God was being manifested. That's what was happening. Even though we didn't necessarily realise it, those around us were seeing a manifestation of the kingdom of God. In Acts it says that when... Peter, or Philip, preached the good news of the kingdom about Jesus Christ. Many responded, were baptised, both men and women. He preached the good news of the kingdom. And in fact, it never in the gospel says that Jesus or that anyone else preached the good news of the church. They preached the good news of the kingdom. Jesus preached the kingdom. What was, what was he preaching? Well... The kingdom is the rule of God, isn't it? That's the kingdom of God. The rule of God. He preached it everywhere he went. He preached the rule of God. And when he preached it, when the disciples preached it, he preached the good news of the kingdom, people responded to it. Now I don't know where you are this morning, whether you are someone who has not received the kingdom of God. You may still be living under the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of this world. You may be struggling, striving, trying to make it not happening. And you think, what do I do? I've come to the end of myself. Well, you can receive the kingdom of God. You can do just what we read in that passage. As the kingdom is preached, you can respond to it. You can come and say, Lord, I want to receive that kingdom. I want to 
humble myself before you. We've heard about that this morning already. Humble myself before you. I want to put myself in a good position and recognise that actually I can't do it anymore. I want to surrender to your kingdom. Come under your rules, under your authority. And when I say which kingdom you're subject to this morning, there is a sense in which that can also be true for those who have believed and received the kingdom because we're in this present evil world. And it's so easy to adopt the principles of one kingdom and live in the other. You with me there? We do it. Paul himself says that he had a struggle with the two kingdoms. He says, I, the things I should do, I find I can't. And things I shouldn't do, I find I can, and I do. And then he says, oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we can be in the kingdom of God and yet somehow live still in the kingdom of this world. And we're, we're living a dual existence. That's not good. That's not good. God wants us to be totally surrendered. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to get it right all the time. Thank goodness that we're declared righteous in the presence of God. You never, ever are not going to be righteous in the presence of God. If you're a Christian this morning, if you receive the kingdom of God and it's in you, which it is, which we'll get to in a minute, you can't do anything else but be righteous because you've been declared it. You haven't earned it. It's declared. That's amazing. If anything else this morning, that is the most amazing truth that we've been declared righteous because Jesus died in order to make that possible. In Colossians it says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness or the rule of the enemy or the kingdom of this world and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. That's who we are in Christ. And this kingdom, the Bible says, or Jesus said himself, this kingdom is not of this world. We live in a kingdom that is of this world. The rule of Satan is this world. That's why it's like it is. But the kingdom of God is not a kingdom of this world. It's a kingdom that is in us. And we go everywhere, whenever we go, wherever we are, the kingdom is with us. Because this kingdom is in us. So wherever we go, we take the kingdom of God. And we live amongst those who are subject to the kingdom of this world. And as I've said already, it can pressure us, it can draw us, it can cause us to suddenly, subtly... We're doing things and we think, hang on a minute, what am I doing? I'm living in the wrong kingdom and I don't belong to that kingdom. This kingdom is in us. So you can't go anywhere or be anywhere where this kingdom is not. Because it's in you. That's an extraordinary truth, isn't it? In Luke 17... Jesus was asked a question. The Pharisee said, when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that you can observe. Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is. 
Because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Or, a valid translation, the kingdom of God is within you. It's in your midst. It's within you. In fact, both of those statements are true. The Greek language is very good at conveying something in simple ways where the English language isn't. So when it says the kingdom of God is in your midst, that's true. That where we go, the kingdom of God is in their midst. But it's true too that the kingdom of God is in me. It's within me. If I'm in Christ. So wherever I go, the kingdom of God goes. And when I go somewhere, the kingdom of God is in the midst. Jesus was full of the kingdom. He was king of the kingdom. So wherever he went, he would say, the kingdom of God is among you. He never actually said the kingdom of God is within me. He just said the kingdom of God is among you. Because he came as the king of the kingdom. He brought his rule, his reign, everywhere he went. And of course it caused reactions. Good and bad. And you may find that. That when you go places, you don't always get a good reaction. Well, of course you don't, because the enemy doesn't like your presence. Because you bring the kingdom. Um, Some places in the world it's more noticeable because we're a very materialistic society. And so the kind of spiritual dimension is often hidden. Whereas... On my trips to India over the years, it's the other way around. They're a very spiritual people. And so the spirit is evident more than the material. And so it doesn't take much for the spirit to manifest itself. And I can remember being in meetings, and immediately I got up and said the name of Jesus. The whole thing took off. You know, people manifesting demons all over the place. Because the kingdom of this world was reacting to the kingdom that was within me. And it wasn't a particularly good one sometimes. But one thing I did discover is that that kingdom was subject to the kingdom of God. It was subject to it. And I remember learning that lesson because the guy I was travelling with at the time had been there for 25 years living in India. So he knew the score. And I can remember he stood up one meeting and this particular thing kicked off and he just said, shut up. And I thought, whoa, it's a bit rude. And this person just hit the floor and stayed there for the whole meeting. And I thought, you know what? That kingdom is subject to the kingdom of God. We can command demons to flee. Because they're subject to the kingdom of God. God's kingdom is superior. Because it's the genuine thing. Hallelujah. We take this kingdom wherever we go. I've already said it, but I want to say it again because it's important. In Matthew, Jesus said to the disciples, Wherever you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. Now, that's an amazing scripture. Jesus said to the disciples, Just preach the gospel of the kingdom. Tell them the good news of the kingdom. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, because you can. That's interesting, is it? Because you can. Freely you have received. Freely you have received. You didn't do anything except respond. Now, freely give. 
Give it away. God wants us to be those who export what we've been freely given. Yeah. You know, we don't hold on to it and say, I'm keeping this for me. That's not kingdom values at all. It's giving away. And you know what happens when you give it away? You get more. Yeah. It's a principle of the kingdom. And we can't deal with all those, as I've said already this one. principle of the kingdom is given, it will be given to you. It's a, it's a principle. We're talking about money earlier. Give it away. Because actually, you do that, God will give. Now, don't do it to get. That doesn't work. Because the motive of your heart is wrong. I remember a guy I used to work with many years ago, and we were, we were in a position where we needed a lot of money. And uh, every day, letters were coming, and uh, things were through the letterbox with money and checks. And, it, and I used to go into the office, and I'd say, guess what? Another 500 quid this morning. And in the end, the guys were amazed. I did it on purpose, because I wanted them to see how it worked. And a uh, guy said to me, can I come to your church? Uh, uh, because it seems that, you know, it's quite a good place to be with all that money you're getting. I said, don't work like that. I said, the principle of the kingdom is, I gave everything before I got anything. But I didn't give it to get. I gave it because I wanted to honour God and serve the kingdom. And God has honoured me. Amen. Just recently, I had a situation where we needed some money. And I had to kind of... There's a job that had to be done that suddenly we didn't know was going to need to be done in the house. It just happened that it needed to be done. We haven't got the money for it. Um, and so I kind of begged, steal and borrowed from all my little pots to try and make it and manage to pay it. And... Uh, Back in 2012, I don't know whether you still get them. I still get the jolly things, phone calls, all the time. We know from our records that you are you are able to claim some EPI. Oh, for goodness sake. Anyway, I got so fed up with it in 2012, I wrote to my bank. And I just basically said, do you owe me any money? You know, and sent it off. And about a month later, I got a letter back saying, no, we don't. <laughs> We've checked our records, and I'm like, that's fine. That's dealt with that one. So I'm not going to go through these companies who rip you off and take, you know, two-thirds of it or whatever it is. I'm just not going there. Anyway, a couple of oh, months ago, about a month ago, I got a letter from Lloyds Bank. And it said, we have looked again <laughs> at your claim and discovered that we probably do owe you some money. We haven't got any details of your accounts. We know the numbers, but we don't know the payments. Or It's all too long ago, and I haven't got any records of them either. I wouldn't know. And it quoted an amount, and I thought, I would pay? And it said, We've, this is an estimate. You can question it. You can object to it. You know, I thought, I'm not objecting to that. <laughs> I have no proof that it owe me any more than that. And I took it to the bank, and I said, is this genuine, or is it a rip-off? Because you know what you do? You think, that can't be true. You know, come on. You don't suddenly get a letter from the bank saying, we've re-looked at it. Do you? Once they've said no, they think, that's it. But no, it's said, okay. So the lady said, well, no, it looks genuine. They're not asking you for any bank details, are they? I said, no. And they wouldn't get me if they were, because I know that one. She said, well, it says they're going to send you a cheque, so why don't you wait for the cheque to arrive and then pay it in? So we went on holiday down to Cornwall, and when we got back, there was a letter from the bank with a cheque in it for £4,860. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I thought, isn't God good? You know, so let's go back to that red light. In 2012, it was a red light. I thought, that's fine. You know, not, not worried about it. But God knew when I would need it. And I need it now. So God gets the bank to re-look and assess it and then send me a cheque. And you think, what? Well, that's just amazing. So that's how God does things. He always turns up with the goods. Not in the way we expect. I'd forgotten about that. I thought, that's that dealt with. So whenever I got another telephone call, they said, here's PPI. I said, I've done all that. Been there. Got the T-shirt. Nothing owed. Put the phone down. And when I get them now, I say, I've got me money. So go away. (laughs) This is the kingdom of God. God's provision. We don't have to sweat or worry doesn't mean we have to be lazy. We serve the king because we want to, because we desire to, not because we have to. Hallelujah. But we take the kingdom with us. It says in Luke chapter 10, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you, heal the sick. Tell them the kingdom of God is near you. Hallelujah. How how do we activate, if you want to call it that, activate this kingdom life? Well, we don't. But he activates it in us and through us by the Holy Spirit. So when the disciples, after Jesus rose from the dead, the promise was there in the scriptures constantly to say, I'll send another, he will bring you my words, he will come and he will live in you so I am in you he is in you so this internal sense of the kingdom was coming even though they were looking for an external kingdom he was saying no 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 this is not an external kingdom it's not this world it's in you it's the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of God his rule his reign that's what it is and so in Acts he says don't leave Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And still they didn't get it. They said, Lord, is this the time? You're going to restore the kingdom to Israel. No, 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 no. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. This kingdom is much bigger than Israel. It's an international, global kingdom that is expressed through you as you receive his kingdom, his power. And the thing is, this morning, if you don't get anything else, you need to know that the kingdom of God is in you. You don't always feel it. You don't always sense it. But it's a truth that we must get hold of. And you'll find that even if you mess up, and I'm not going to ask anyone to put their hands up who hasn't messed up, because I know that, well, shouldn't happen. Mr. Perfect, Mrs. Perfect is not here this morning, except in Christ. (laughs) While we're still on the earth, we're not. 
Just thank God, as far as God's concerned, we are. Mm. Otherwise, we'd be in deep trouble. So what we have to get hold of is that whenever we're out on the streets, the kingdom of God is with us. Whether we're in our homes, the kingdom of God is with us. Whenever we're in our workplace, the kingdom of God is with us. Whenever we're going through suffering, the kingdom of God is with us. Whenever we're going through sickness, the kingdom of God is with us. It never, ever leaves us. We just have to know that we live in the flesh, in a kingdom that is not subject to the kingdom of God. So in the flesh we often suffer the the outworkings of the kingdom of this world. But inside, by the Spirit, we're alive in the kingdom of God and we live for the kingdom. So we don't judge things by what goes on in the flesh. I know that whatever happens to me, physically, inside, I'm alive in the kingdom. And I can bear what happens in the flesh because I know that truth. But it doesn't mean that at any moment the kingdom of God can't break in. And we just need to be sensitive to the Spirit of God to tell us when to exercise the power of the kingdom. It's not for us to use it as we want. You know, it's not like a magic thing. We have to be subject. Jesus was subject to the king of the kingdom, to the God himself. He was subject to him. He said, I don't do anything unless the Father tells me. I don't say anything except what the Father tells me to say. He was subject. So he didn't just do what he wanted. He did what he was told by the Father. So when he went into the pool of Bethesda, he walked up to one man, healed him, and left. And you think, what about all the others? Well, the Father didn't say anything about the others, about that one. Now, we, I don't know all the answers. I just know that Jesus walked in as the king, healed a man, and left. And when it says Lazarus died, his best friend died, Jesus wept when he heard the news. He was so physically, emotionally attached to this guy in relationship and he knew the sisters and he knew how sad they would be. He wept. (coughs) But it says he waited three more days before he went. He said, what was that about? Well, it was to manifest the kingdom. He said he did it for the glory of God. So when he went there, he wasn't going to heal Lazarus, he was going to raise him from the dead. Which is a greater manifestation. So the delay, if only you'd been here, Mary said, if only you'd been here, brother would not have died. And he said, this is for the glory of God. He's Lord of life and death. So again, delay sometimes is in order that the glory of God can be revealed. So we don't fear delay. If you're like me, an impatient person, you sometimes get a little bit frustrated about it. Say, come on, God, for goodness sake, do something. And then you have to say, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean that. Well, I did, but... (laughs) I understand that delay is sometimes in your purpose. Now, when we come together, the kingdom of God is among us. Do you know, there's something special about gathering together. Because you've got the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. I mean, goodness me, you've got, wow. There's a huge manifestation of the kingdom when we're together. Because the kingdom lives in all of us. So there should be huge manifestations of the kingdom of God when we come together. 
in worship, in just the presence of God in the place. Hallelujah. Bring it on. I don't want to miss a moment of being together with God. There's people who, who it says in the scriptures, don't neglect the gathering of yourselves together. Why is he saying that? Because there's something special about it. And you might miss something. The number of times I've been preaching somewhere else, and when I've got back home, they say, you should have been here Sunday. Say, oh no, what did I miss? And I don't want to miss. Do you want to, I don't want to miss. I don't want to miss a minute of being in God's presence with God's people. I want to be there. Because I know something can happen. Well, not something could happen, it always does. God is amongst his people whenever we are together. What happens? Heal the sick. Release the captives. Heal the broken hearted. Luke chapter 4 tells us over Jesus a, ma- a, a, a manifestation of the kingdom and also a fulfilment of an Old Testament prophecy in Isaiah about the coming of Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He's sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. That's the kingdom. Manifestation of the kingdom through Jesus. And the amazing thing is that that same spirit now lives in me. The same spirit, it says, that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. So we can, without hesitation, say, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Believe that? The spirit of the Lord is on you. He's anointed you to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent you to proclaim freedom to the prisoner, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. It's stand. I just believe this morning that God wants to manifest his kingdom. There's no point coming together, believing it, and not seeing it. It's by faith that we receive. And this morning I believe God wants to release manifestations of his kingdom in this place. And you may have come this morning with sickness and God wants to manifest his kingdom and bring healing. Might be this morning, it's your time. Now is your time. It says in the scripture to release the oppressed. Yeah. You may feel that. You may just feel, do you know what? I'm just feeling such oppression from the enemy. The oppression may be caused because of physical sickness. Do you know what? It's more important you get released from that than from the physical sickness. But God can do both. God wants to release the oppressed. And I just feel this morning that's a priority for us. If you are feeling oppressed, and it doesn't mean depressed necessarily, just oppressed. You feel oppressed. You feel nothing is actually feeling good at the moment. I'm just oppressed by various things. Sickness or circumstances of life. 
And God wants to release you from that oppression. Now, if that's you, I want you to come to the front. That's an acknowledgement before God. Yep, that's me. I want to be released from that oppression. So if that's you, I want you to come right now. If you're feeling the oppression, the kingdom of God is here to set you free from all oppression. Thank you, Jesus.